It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Welcome to a new episode of the Late Night Lake Show podcast powered by Prize Pick. Before we get into our episode with Jovan Buha of The Athletic, wanted to let you guys know that the Late Night Lake Show is always powered by Prize Picks. Enter promo code LNLS. Figure out your parlays, make it pretty, and then, you know, get it matched in case it, it doesn't work out with promo code LNLS. So I uh, appreciate the support, as always, from the Prize Pick family. All right, Yvonne, it's, uh, I don't even know what day it is. It, it's Monday, February 6th, year of our Lord, 2023. Um, this time last week, we weren't even in this state of mind to even thinking be thinking about a Kyrie trade. Um, it's so funny what happens in the course of four days, but here we are on the other end of reality. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers did not end up uh, being able trading for Kyrie Irving. He ends up in Dallas for uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, a first, a couple of seconds. Marquise Morris, former Laker, is heading down to Dallas as well. Duvon, uh, you've been boots on the ground for all of this. I don't even know if you slept yet, brother, but can you just kind of walk, walk us through, man, how this Kyrie uh, trade negotiations unfolded? And then let us know, like, did you, you know, honestly, did you think that the Lakers had a fighting chance in this negotiations with the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, well, I, I do. I do think that they had a chance. Um, I know there's been some reporting on uh, – you know, Brooklyn's objective to not trade Kyrie to the Lakers. I've heard some mixed stuff on that. Um, I do think it probably was an objective, but that's different than a mandate. I don't think it was a, you know, hard and fast. We're just not going to deal him to the Lakers. I, I think they wouldn't have talked to the Lakers in that case, if, if that were, um, you know, what they really were going to do. And, and I also think at the end of the day, like, um, you know, teams are teams can be spiteful and, and whatnot, but I think the Nets uh, have you know been a relatively smart organization. You know, Sean Marks comes from San Antonio, and uh, I think like at the end of the day, if they felt the Lakers had the best package, I, I think they would have gone with that. Um, and I think 
really what the ultimately what it showed was they preferred players over picks because we know the Lakers put the two unprotected uh, 2027 and 2029 picks on the table and ultimately the the difference was you know that the gap in value in Brooklyn's eyes was they valued Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith more than Russ and the extra pick and you know as we've kind of heard since the summer like basically to trade Russ it's been Russ and a pick to kind of get to like neutral value like the adding in the pick kind of makes Russ a a neutral value uh you know contract so if you kind of take out Russ and a pick then it you know the package is basically a Lakers pick versus two Nets players that are positive contracts uh, you know positive role players plus you know a pick in, in two seconds and of course the Lakers could have thrown more in but the, 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 you know, the key for them was they wanted Kyrie to sign that two-year extension. And you know, th- they were afraid of basically Dwight Howard all over again oh uh, from, from 2013, where they trade for him. You know, it looks like he's going to be their, their center of the future. Uh, at that point, you know, a popular kind of line of thinking was stars never leave L.A. Everybody wants to be in L.A. Like that's really when it – around then was, was when it really got – you know, kind of glamorized of like the, the free agent meetings and like LeBron kind of started it with the decision, but then it was like every yeah. summer, like, you know, the top free agents or the top stars yeah, would Justin be taking Timberlake meetings. Coming in, doing yeah. And, over, but, but it was always like, stuff. if you remember, it was all, that was when it kind of started to like the, the league kind of started to, be, I think transition more into the haves and have nots in that regard, where it was like the stars were always meeting with the two LA teams, the two New York teams, Chicago, Miami, maybe like a Dallas or a Boston, but it was always like the big teams. And I think for the Lakers, their fear was we throw the kitchen sink at the nets. I mean, number one, they might not even accept it, but even if we do, and let's just say they accept it. If Kyrie walks in three months uh, now, you know, we don't have, we we lost out on Austin and max who are, uh, you know, relatively cost controlled young guys. Obviously Austin is going to be a restricted free agent, but uh, you know, max, they got under contract for another year. Uh, Austin is someone they, they believe could be a starter or key bench player for them moving forward. Uh, then, you know, potentially throwing in a pick swap or two, all of a sudden, like you basically have given up all your tradable assets at least through next summer. So I think for them, there was just a lot of, and it's hard to have confidence in, you know, what is Kyrie Irving going to do? We, we've seen him go to Boston and then, go, you know, go to Boston and say he's going to commit there for the long term. You know, that situation blew up quickly. Go to Brooklyn with his best friend and Kevin Durant. And obviously, Kevin Durant had to sign off on, on him getting traded and be okay with that uh, and, and looks to be staying in Brooklyn, at least for the time being. We'll see what happens with that. But like, yeah. so I just think with Kyrie and the way that things have gone the last few years, then there was also the moral component of like, um, you know, the, the Lakers were, you know, I had heard earlier in the season, like weren't kind of felt like they dodged a bullet with, with the whole Kyrie situation with, with, you know, everything that happened with the. Um, you know, sharing the the anti-Semitic documentary off of Amazon and like just kind of his his reluctance to apologize at first and and kind of doubling down on it. Like they're kind of like, you know, we, this might've been a blessing in disguise where like we didn't have to deal with this. And, um, you know, so I I think for them, uh, this came together really quickly in terms of like, you know, obviously this popped up on a Friday and then it it just became the teams that felt they had a chance or, or were desperate enough to go for him started putting together the packages uh, for the Lakers that started to increase, you know, first it was Russ and a pick and then eventually going up to Russ and two picks, but they weren't willing to include 
uh, Max or Austin or any pick swaps unless they got that assurance that Kyrie was going to sign the two-year extension. So obviously for him, it you know there, there was financial incentive to not do that and to go into uh, unrestricted free agency and you know sign the the four-year deal that he can sign. So I think for the Lakers, like I do think Brooklyn had you know was looking to trade him to anywhere else, but ultimately if the Lakers had I think better players available, honestly. Uh, I think Brooklyn would have taken the package. The Late Night Lake Show podcast is sponsored by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the best legal way to play daily fantasy player props in states like California, New York, Texas, and more. You pick two to five players and an over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. The best part is you can mix players from different sports. You could take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Prize Picks is the easiest way to play daily fantasy because it's just you versus the projected numbers just use our promo code lnls and any deposit you make can receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars so go support the brand and go win you some money it's the best of both worlds again use our promo code lnls That's a story we hear often. The Lakers <laughs> just had better players. That I mean, yeah, a lot they, of they things apply to a lot of things. Right <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Oh, man. I think I think it, it, to your point, I think it just came down to those role players and still being in that uh, to be able to compete and win, and KD still being there. Um, I think something that came out too, um, KD and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith are also good friends. Um, he's also a really good three and D wing player. Like, you know, you could make an argument that he's definitely top of the class there. So th- I actually think Dorian, Dorian's more of the prize than Spencer to, to be honest. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Don't you feel like that? Yeah. Like, Dorian's like the yeah. ideal role player. I think like the ideal modern, like three and D wing you want. He, f- he fits there perfectly. I mean, they're going to have to make a decision between those two and Royce O'Neal, who's going to be starting. Right. And maybe Spencer makes sense coming off the bench, have that uh, punch there. But I mean, I, we can't really uh, compete there, right? We don't really have the role players. Even if we do throw in, you know, the Max Christie or Austin Reeves, does that really help the Brooklyn Nets right now to to win or compete out in the East? Um, but yeah, I mean, the way you laid it out, I mean, it make, it, it starts to make sense, right? I, I, there was a lot, like Ricky mentioned earlier, um, you know, did did we even have a chance or a bunch right. of chance? Did we have a seat much? at the table? Or we exactly no, the kids the, Lakers have a seat like, at we'll the table. Let you know. The, the okay. one thing I'll say, though, as um, the Athletics' Shams Sharania reported, uh, there was a lack of communication between the two sides on Sunday. So I don't know if that was as simple as the Lakers just kind of feeling, hey, like we, we made our best offer and our offer is not changing. So you know what it is. If you're going to accept it, you can accept it. If you're not, you're not. Uh, but I, I do think it was interesting that the Lakers didn't go back Sunday before ultimately uh, Kyrie got traded. Uh, and then Shams also had the, the, the nugget in his story that uh, last offseason, the Lakers are granted permission to speak with Kyrie uh, and his representative, which is uh, his stepmom, and, uh, you know, talk to him about a potential trade. And the Lakers did not follow up uh, on that. So um, what the hell is up with that? I saw I, that. What? Why? Why? Were that, they just I, I, I don't, themselves? 
I, I don't have a good answer on that, to, to be honest with you. Um, it, it is interesting. Um, you know, I think there, there was a sense, there was a sense with the Lakers too, where I think, you know, kind of similar to going back to, this is over a decade ago, but like the Carmelo Anthony situation with Denver, New York, where, uh, and I guess in some ways that the Anthony Davis situation a little bit with, with the Lakers, but like, I think the Lakers felt they could just sign Kyrie outright in the summer and you know russ is going to be coming off the cap um you know and as long as they make the right move with that if they do end up trading russ and like keep their cap sheet clean like they can create upwards of 32 million in cap space and you know potentially sign Kyrie. obviously he's looking for more than that but you know that, that's the most they could offer so i i think there was an element of like on their side maybe like a little bit of passivity on why do we have to give up all this stuff for Kyrie when we can probably just sign him next summer and, you know, we, we know he doesn't want to be in Brooklyn anymore. We know that situation's probably going to blow up. So let's just wait it out and, and just sign him. But um, so, I, I mean, that that's my like best, I, I would say, guess on that. But it is kind of weird to me that you, you would make such a strong offer. You would have those conversations. And then for whatever reason, you wouldn't follow up. And then quickly after he ends up getting shipped elsewhere. Uh, so I think. I do think like Brooklyn really wanted at least one of the young guys and the Lakers. That was where they drew the line in the sand was like, and you know, I, I think people, people are going to make jokes on, on social media. I've already seen it of like, Oh, you didn't trade for Kyrie because of Austin Reeves. But like, there's no guarantee that just throwing Austin Reeves in was going to complete the deal. But I think for the Lakers, it was just, I think that they're trying to kind of right some of the wrongs that they've made through the years where like they have undervalued young guys and they have, probably overspent in trades and given up too much. And I think for them, they were like, we're giving you the two arguably best picks available on the market right now. And we're giving you this giant expiring deal in Russ. And like, you know, you, you can reroute those picks. You can reroute Russ. Like they were looking at potential, you know, uh, the three team deals. Like, so I, I think the, the Lakers felt they made a competitive, like strong offer. And ultimately, Again, it really depended on which direction Brooklyn wanted to go. If they were going to blow it up and also trade KD, I think the Lakers package made more sense of just, you know, get, you know, maybe they cave ultimately and, and throw like Max Future. in. And, and then it's right. like, okay, we got a couple picks, we got an expiring deal, we get Max. Like now we have something here on top of whatever we're getting for KD. But they wanted to remain competitive. And if you're going to want to remain competitive, obviously I, I think Dallas's package is better if that's your goal. I just, I, we, we could disagree on the goal and I, I think Brooklyn probably should have blown it up, but if they're going to try to remain competitive, you know, Dallas's offer ultimately just made more sense. I think the other big factor too, sorry to just step in is that Dallas made the offer without even com ha having verbal agreement or commitment from Kyrie that he's going to be signing anything. That's so I think huge that's, risk. that's probably another thing that the Lakers were thinking about that. Hey, I doubt any of these other teams are going to be making you know, strong headway, probably over the course of Sunday or Monday, whatever it is, and take this big risk, right? Does it really make sense? There's only, I mean, that, that's the other thing. There's only like three or four teams that are really vying for Kyrie. It's not mm -hmm. like, you know, another big star comes up to market. There's like eight or 10, 15 teams lined up. It was just three to four. So maybe there was something of that in the back of their mind where I don't really see Dallas or any of these teams really taking that risk unless they get that commitment from Kyrie or something, some sort of conversation there. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I, I also think, um, you know, like I, I think 
it, when it first broke, I, I had heard initially like it was probably going to go till the deadline on Thursday because Brooklyn really wasn't sure what they wanted to do. Like they, they you know, do we want to trade? Because again, this is kind of similar to what happened last summer. It was it was the opposite order where KD asked out first, then Kyrie asked out, then they were considering first, you know, potentially trading Kyrie, and then it was like, well, we want to figure out the KD situation first. Then right. they you know reconciled with both of them. Uh, so I think there was initially some skepticism of is Kyrie even going to be available or is this just a massive, you know, power play to get some leverage so they finally give him that extension. Uh, but obviously, as it played out, you know, I, I think by Saturday it was kind of clear, like, no, they're actually moving him. It's just a matter of what's the package and and what are they looking for. And I think you, you heard different things uh, on, in terms of did they want players, did they want picks, but. Uh, you know, ultimately, I think Dallas kind of presented the the best uh, of both worlds. Um, I thought Phoenix's package, although Phoenix has, has been denying that they offered that, thought that was interesting because, like, you know, Chris Paul and Jay Crowder uh, on this team, like, you know, I, I think that's that would have been interesting, at least in Brooklyn. Uh, obviously, Chris Paul isn't even what he was last year, but uh, I think like I like Jay Crowder, so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, the Clippers had their offer, and so I think overall, like, the I think the one thing to be encouraged by, if, if I'm a Laker fan, is uh, they were willing to give up both picks, and we know that it had been a thing that the fan base had been pushing for since last summer, and you know, they they finally found a deal that they found that they felt was worth it, and they were willing to do that. So I mean, we we could quibble again about the value of Austin and Max and if they should have just thrown the kitchen sink and, and said, Hey, like, you know, LeBron might only have a couple years left. So let's just go all in with Kyrie. They, it, they made it work before we have confidence. LeBron could get through to him, could, you know, keep him in LA, could keep him in check. Like, you know, maybe that, that would have been a, a good strategy, but I do think they, they went for it and they made a competitive offer. And um, again, like they could have offered more, but, there, what you know, it's not without risk, and and we could easily see this Kyrie situation blow up in Dallas, and a few months from now, be looking like, hey, the Lakers once again kind of dodged because he just has had no semblance of consistency for several, you know, basically since he left Cleveland, and you know, he, he's left every team with a you know a, a trail of fire on his way out. So uh, I think, you know, from a talent perspective, obviously, top fifteen player gives the Lakers, you know three top 15 guys i think you're, you're a contender at that point but at the same time there's a lot of risk and, and the lakers already have some risk with lebron and ad in their health i thought you were uh, about to say that it's we're gonna get to the summer and we're doing this all over again where the lakers are now interested in uh bringing kyrie irving in i think it's possible I, I wouldn't i wouldn't rule it out there we go. um but yeah. i would say you know obviously the the incumbents are going to be the favorite. You know, Dallas is going to be the favorite to, to, to keep him. Uh, and then if you're the Lakers, you also have to weigh, like, if he's willing to leave, that's, like, another situation that he kind of failed in or, or you know, flamed out of or whatever term you want to use. So, like, um, you know, it, it's – we'll see. I, I think you, can, you can't rule it out. Uh, LeBron has obviously made it clear how he feels about Kyrie. Yeah, he uh, has. So yeah. – <laughs> I mean, I wrote like he basically did everything except for like blatantly just come out and say like I want Kyrie, but he essentially has has done that uh, through his tweets and and uh, him saying it was a a duh question. So uh, and then the interview he did today with ESPN. So I, I think LeBron's made it clear, but 
I'm interested to see what the Lakers do in these next three days and and then potentially the, the summer with what becomes available, uh, you know, if anything. You're in trouble. Hell, we we are interested, Jovan, and I think we're, we're about to segue to, to what now is ahead. We did what The past is in the past, y'all. We can't keep sitting on this. Kyrie Irving's not going to be a Laker at least for another four to five months. So, Adios, Kyrie. Good luck in Dallas. Enjoy the no state tax. Hope you and Luca have some great highlight moments together. Anyways, all right. Lakers now try to pick up the pieces and move forward ahead. Which, by the way, uh, do you think anybody in the building cares that this is clearly a cry to get Russ out the building. Like, I understand that it's Kyrie Irving and LeBron is very excited about the possibility of having him, but that kind of goes directly right in the wind, in the face of Russell Westbrook walking out the door in that trade. Do you think there's any any animosity, any issues, or just they already don't seem like they're the, the best of friends, right? They're good enough as co-workers. Do you think that's going to have any impact on the Lakers' chemistry or lack thereof for forever the foreseeable future uh yes uh i do um you know i i think it, it's hard not to look at it that way because really the the only way financially the lakers could get kyrie irving was to trade russell westbrook they, they could not uh you know after trading kendrick Nunn, they they couldn't trade Rui. Uh, well they couldn't trade Rui in that package they could only do a separate one for one or, or, you know, single deal, uh, single player deal with Uh, Rui. Um, so that, that, that's another thing, right. That's another limitation for them right now where like Rui, uh, you know, could only be included in a bigger package two months after the trade, but obviously that's going to be past the trade deadline. So Rui could be sent off in a one-off, but he can't be uh, aggregated in a bigger package. So if you just look at the contracts, even if they rounded together all the other contracts, I mean, number one, it would get to like whatever, like nine or 10 players. Uh, and, and number two, it just wouldn't add up to enough for Kyrie. So inherently trading for Kyrie meant trading Russ. And yes. I think that's kind of the, the awkward part of all this is, uh, you know, LeBron. Uh, and, and I'm just going to say, like, if, if you follow the right people uh, in, in Russ's circle, You've seen some stuff from from Russ's circle, uh, sure kind of talking about how Been a they, guest feel some type, they, they feel some type of way. Uh, yeah, you know his brother and and one of his his close friends, uh, you know, posted something on Instagram today. So I, I think there's definitely some animosity. I, I don't, you know, obviously, just, you know, we're dealing with the whole situation with John Morant and and um, you know his friends and like. You know, someone's friends don't necessarily represent or or speak for them, but you know there are people close to Russ who have already voiced their you know displeasure with LeBron and Phil Handy tweeting and and kind of voicing their their you know pro Kyrie uh, you know backing. So I think uh, you know again we we haven't heard from Russ yet. Uh, you know he talked in New Orleans, but. LeBron, you know, kind of since he talked before LeBron talked and then LeBron said what he said. And then he had the tweet after Kyrie was traded to Dallas. So like we haven't talked to Russ since then. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see what he says tomorrow. Most likely we'll get him tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I can't help but feel that, you know, there's gotta be some tension there. 
um, you know, for, for what it's worth, like normally when we go to practice, we see those guys to the side in, in their shooting competition. Today it was 80, uh, you know, LeBron and Rui. LeBron didn't participate in practice, but Russ was kind of off to the side. Sometimes Now, sometimes he's done. By the time we get in there, he doesn't want to, you know, be shooting in front of us or, or whatever. So, like, you know, that, that's not necessarily out of the, you know, nor, you know out of uh, abnormal, but it was just something kind of interesting. And then, you know, we did request to, to speak with him and, and he, you know, he, he didn't speak today at practice. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I got to think he's not like thrilled about, uh, his teammate basically asking for him to be traded, but uh, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be something where like, there's this giant beef either that, you know, needs to be, it means Russ has to be traded or, or, you know, it's, it's, uh, irreconcilable. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll have a better answer when both LeBron and uh, I, I think for LeBron's sake, it's almost better if he breaks it tomorrow, just because he can kind of avoid some of the trade stuff because it'll all be about him breaking the record versus the trade stuff or him and Russ. But if he doesn't right. break it tomorrow, that's really going to be what I, I think the press conference is going to be about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even funnier so, right? The, they'll, they'll get up to the trade deadline. And then if the Lakers do make a move, Hell, there's not going to be bodies in the build. Like, you're not going to have those players for that Milwaukee game on Thursday, right? So it's yeah. just like, all right, now you're going to break it out Thursday in a blowout. And, you know, figures crossed that's not the situation. But, yeah, a lot of lot of different things going on with uh, with that, those LeBron comments and how different people are perceiving them. So, you know, um, one thing that didn't happen was LeBron calling out the Lakers organization. He said, you know, it sounds like that, you know, an offer was made. They tried and, you know, now refocused on on the roster moving forward. This roster, as I have everybody who supports the purple and gold uh, knows, it needs some improvement. Um, we are seeing names still floating around, rumors starting to pick back up after that Kyrie, uh, <laughs> that Kyrie uh, four-day saga, right? Um, and now we're here. We're seeing teams like Utah. We're seeing teams like Charlotte. Um, we're seeing teams like San Antonio pick back up. And then we're seeing that that, that nice team that's got four starters that uh, – or four rotation players that in uh, Toronto that's saying, hey, we might be open for business ourselves. Uh, Jay, just, you know, open court right now. What what are you hearing as of this moment on February 6th as far as the Lakers' updated options as far as improving the roster? Yeah, well, as I reported last night, uh, Toronto and Utah – are the two names I've heard the most. And uh, I think those probably are the best two options. Like, you know, San Antonio, um, Josh Richardson, Doug McDermott. I, I like Jakob Pertle, but then you're sliding 80 to the four more. Like, I, I just, I, I don't love that. I don't love the Charlotte pieces. Like, I like PJ Washington. Is that worth adding in, you know, one or two picks? Like, I, I don't know. Right. Um, Chicago's interesting. Like Levine is, is kind of a, an upside swing um, where, you know, th that's probably a Russ and two firsts and, and, and maybe a young guy uh, to Chicago for Levine. Uh, now he's young and he's obviously really good, but he's got some durability issues and that contract, uh, you know, depending on how you view it uh, could be viewed as an albatross and uh, you know, he's got a, so, some knee issues. So like, that's one that uh, I think makes it – it's kind of in between like a role player and like superstar trade. It's more like a star trade or like, you know, all star, you know whatever kind of leveling system you want to use. But uh, mm -hmm. I think Levine would help. Obviously, 
minus defender. So that that's kind of a concern there of, of adding another perimeter player who, who can't defend. But uh, I think Toronto and Utah both make the most sense. Uh, you know, looking at U, uh, Utah, like getting some, something centered on Mike Conley, but, you know, uh, Malik Beasley or, or Vanderbilt as that second guy. And then, uh, you know, Kelly Olnick or, or Rudy Gay. I think they'd prefer Olnick over Gay. Uh, but but something, you know, Russ and, and a couple picks or a pick in, in two seconds to Utah for, for something like that. Or looking at Toronto, get Van Vliet and Gary Trent. Um, I'm sure they'd love to get OG. But, yeah, I, I think that's probably one where they have to empty the, the cupboard. And, and I don't know if they're, you know, maybe maybe they will for, for that one. But I, I don't know how... Uh, you know, if they necessarily view it that that cut and dry. So I think th- those are the two that make the most sense. Of, of course, uh, there's Detroit and Atlanta with the Bogdanoviches. Um, you know, I, I think they'd prefer Boyan over Bogdan. But, uh, you know, can they throw Pat Lonnie in a first for, for Boyan? Uh, Pat Lonnie in a first for uh, Buddy Heald? Uh, like, you know, I, I think there, there's, there's ways to upgrade in terms of getting a shooter. And I, I think that's really the, the main thing that they're looking at is, is a shooting wing. And then, you know, potentially if, if they are trading Russ, getting back a, another playmaker, a Van Vliet, a Conley, someone that can either start or, or I guess most likely start. But, you know, Darwin loves Dennis. So we'll, we'll see if that's yeah, a competition does. for starting. <laughs> um, but but either way, you know, kind of be able to run the offense uh, when LeBron's off the floor. So uh, to, to me, I, I would prefer Toronto between the two. I, I, I think, you know, any combination of, of two of those three guys – I'd probably prefer actually like Trent and, and Ananobi. Uh, you know, that's just add some more size, upgrade the perimeter. Yeah. You, you know, you can go shooting. Den- yeah. I mean, I, I, now you're kind of a little thin at like the playmaking, like point guard spot. But if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, I, you know, I think you can get by with we Dennis. LeBron. Dennis LeBron yeah, in right. Austin. Dennis LeBron in Austin, I think, is fine. And, um, you know, maybe Pat's like, I think Pat can even do some of that stuff if, if you really need him to in like, you know, second unit lineups, whatever. So I, or you can, you know, you can get a buyout point guard. Like there's always, I think point guards, like a spot where there's a lot of talent that, that you can, you know, kind of find out there. You can find a replacement level point guard, uh, you know, an event minimum contract. It's hard to find wings. And if you could flip Russ for Gary Trent and, and OGN and Obi. Uh, and, and two picks, and you know maybe you have to throw in uh, you know Max and, and a pick swap or something. The one thing I, I don't think people have talked about enough is the Lakers can do pick swaps. Uh, you know they can do a twenty twenty eight pick swap. Uh, so technically, you know that can be viewed as like two and a half first round picks almost. Uh, you know right. p- potentially three. Uh, and then of course this summer once the uh, you know draft day 
they can add in a third first round pick as they have more options. But um, I think, you know, for, for them, it's really looking for a, a shooting upgrade, you know, finding that wing or forward that, that can start and, and upgrade the starting group. And then, uh, you know, for, from there, I mean, I think an interesting thing too is like, can, you know, can you do two deals? Can, can you kind of split the baby down the middle where, you know, you, you trade Russ in a pick for something and then you trade Pat Lonnie in a pick for something. And, uh, you know, maybe again, it's not as good as getting a Kyrie or, or an all-star level guy, but you are you know potentially getting two or three players back that just upgrade the collective talent on, on your roster. Cause I think the Lakers are right. Like, we see it on a nightly basis. They're right there. Like they've had so many of these games that, you know, even take away even the refing stuff, which we, we know that's three or four games right there that, that they could have had. Like there's so many games that have gone out to the fourth quarter where this team's, you know, the small guards, the lack of shooting, um, you know, the rush, the, the, the rust issue, like all those things have, have kind of collectively weighed on the season. And I think if, if you can flip, Russ and Pat and a couple picks and bring in some size and some shooting on the perimeter, all of a sudden, like that roster makes a lot more sense. And I think that's a team that can go on a run in April. Like, I, I think it's there that uh, they have the opening. If, if Ron and AD are healthy and playing at the level they've been playing at, like it's right there, but you got to make an upgrade and that's going to cost you at least one pick. If not, you know, most likely both. I think they just they just gotta go all in. I mean, the West is still mid, right? There isn't that much of a gap between. I mean, like you said, if you go on a run, if you strip out like 10, 10 games in a row, you're right there. You're right there. Um, I think you know the other thing too is adding these pieces. We have additional flexibility uh, for next year, right? It's like we're playing free agency now at the trade yeah, deadline, exactly. Because um, we. Initially, there were so many reports like, "Oh, Lakers don't want to; they want to keep this cap space for for who?" Right? There was there's literally no right. one available for next next year, next yeah, offseason. It's, it's not a good free so, agent it's it's not it's not. And, and the second they made that trade for Rui, you know, it kind of rang the bell that okay, okay, another move is on the way. So I, I, I'm on the same boat as you, Jovan. I, I really like that that Toronto deal. Um, if he can get who doesn't? Hell. I don't know. He started talking I, OG and Gary you. Trent too. I'm like, all right, now now we getting juicy out here. That, I will sorry, say, I, I, I think I think yeah. more likely is is just Van Vliet and, and Trent. I think OG, like OG himself, is is probably going to command two or three picks. So yeah, like right. I, I think then OG asking for for Trent, like, um, and Trent's value, you know, heard different things, you know, protected first or like, uh, you know, a couple seconds, like, you know, so I think he's on that borderline where, you know, maybe that is a deal where they do both picks and like a pick swap, uh, and, and really just kind of throw it all in there. But, um, I think, yeah, like I, I think again, like, you know, as I've reported for weeks, I, I've always felt that the, the most likely thing was a smaller deal of, of, of Pat and a first for something and, and just using that spot to, to upgrade, uh, you know, the, the starting lineup. But, uh, I think with the way, I think that the the Kyrie trade in, in part or you know or potential trade, kind of opened up the the doors for trading Russ and uh, I, you know I, I think they've kind of realized like um, you know there there are concerns like you know Dar there's a reason why Darvin doesn't close with him every game and and there are some concerns about if we make the playoffs you know can we close games with Russ can we play him in, in pivotal moments and. How is he gonna respond? Because I think for the most part, you know, he's obviously been very professional, but 
I think sometimes when we ask him about it in post game, like he, he gets a little testy, he doesn't want to talk about certain things. And like, you can tell it's bothering him and, and you know, that's fair that that's um, he's obviously future hall of famer, top 75 guy. Like he, he has the right to be bothered by it, but it's just ultimately kind of just the fit limitation there of, of, you know, between him and LeBron. So I think honestly for both sides, I mean, I've been saying this for, for it feels like a year now, like for both sides, I think they're better off going in, in different directions. I think, Russ being in a different situation where he can be himself, he can start, he can play his 30-plus minutes, he can get his triple-doubles, he can have the ball, like all those things, that will make him happy and, and that will be you know, better for him. And for the Lakers, having a guy who can shoot and, and not be a spacing liability and, and not need the ball to be effective and, um, you know, will, will, you know, I think try a little bit harder defensively, like those things are really important and, and those are things they're looking for. So... I really think for both sides, it just makes so much sense to, to kind of go their separate ways and uh, to, to, you know, kind of finally end this partnership that just hasn't worked. But, you know, it, it's just tough because the Lakers are going to have to give up at least a first in, in any Russ deal and most likely, you know, two. That'd be dope to see Russ in a, uh, in a nice, uh, I know it's not called that anymore, up in the Air Canada Center, just, <laughs> just collecting all the numbers he could be the most triple doubles in canadian basketball history it, it would be great no but but go ahead Omar. no i mean i think um like you said i think it just makes so the, the writing's on the wall i think it just makes so much sense i wish you know when we were heavily shopping for Kyrie in the off season i thought i i wish that that was clear for them in the front office and they should have just made the moves that were already there buddy hill to miles turner but uh we well, want, oh you but, what, what are you gonna do with them what, what are you gonna do with russ he's an expiring contract you're either going to turn this into an asset or you're gonna recite him or you're just gonna let him walk i giovanni i'm sorry well, yeah maybe, no i mean maybe I, we should I, ask i'll say guests. the 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 one thing that i've been kind of um not surprised by but like a little surprised like i, I think the thinking from the Lakers side was, you know, if, if we hold on to Russ, we can rehab his value. And if we get him to buy into this bench role and, and like, you know, show that he's on he's on board and like he's doing all the right things and that are done. They've, they've really played that up all season. Like his trade value is not I, I would say it's a little bit higher than it was like four or five months ago, but it's not like markedly higher. Like and, and you know, already right. the Lakers have. have you know, paid over half his contract. So it's not really like, like the number, I don't know. I think it's 16 million. I, left. Something like that. Like something around 16 yeah. million re- remaining. Um, but like, it's still viewed as like a negative contract that like teams just don't want to like take on and like, don't want to deal with. Cause they, they kind of know like anyone taking him on, uh, at least the teams that have been, you know, currently suitors and the Lakers have been talking to, they're not taking him on for basketball reasons. They're taking him on for financial reasons of, we want to dump these contracts. We want to get the Lakers picks. Yep. Like it's purely an asset thing, not a, we want to give Russ the keys to the offense and, and have him be like our stars. So I think the fact that I think the Lakers made a miscalculation there on like thinking that Russ would be more valuable closer to the trade deadline than he actually was going to be. And it's just kind of played out now where like, again, like, you know, you, you, you kind of see like there was a time when Russ versus a Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney Smith, would have been a no-brainer in Russ's favor. And that is just not right. the case right now. Like, I think both guys individually have higher trade value than, than Russ, clearly. So, um, Jovan, and, well, and it, yeah. Isn't that, go ahead, sorry. 
No, isn't that no, no, why no. they had that twenty game mark? Or remember, I remember they said, okay, twenty games in. Yeah, they they, they kept pushing it back. Um, you know, first it was it was the twenty game mark, then it was you know Thanksgiving, then it was Christmas, then it was you know it, uh, the now it's kind of been the trade deadline is sort now of been the, the, the time, deadline. but yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Obviously, I, you know, there's still uh, less than two and a half days left for, for them to move him. But um, I think that that contract has not gained the value that uh, I, I think they were hoping it would. Yeah. Um, and, and I think he, he's largely perceived the way he was perceived heading into the season. Quick question. All right. So kind of to, to wrap up our, our, our trade options and scenarios, we got – we got three guys uh, on expiring deals: Pat, Lonnie, Russ, Javon. What do you, if you had to predict today, post trade deadline, which of those three names are most likely to be traded? Uh, I would say Pat. Uh, I, I think Pat is the most likely. Um, I'd probably go Pat, Lonnie, Russ, in, in that order. Mm. Um. I think with it's interesting how much like the kind of perception on on Lonnie kind of flipped, uh, right, right? sort of like with his injury. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think they they just view it as like they, you know, I think Max is someone they they want to try to find a role for. Like it, it's been difficult just because they have so many guards and and so many veterans that I think you know they they want to play a certain amount of time. But uh, I, I think in a way. Um, you know, I've almost wondered if like th- there's an element of like just trying to boost the value of of, of Russ and Pat in, in in some regards of just like you know keeping those guys in the rotation to kind of show what they can do and and um you know I, I'm I'm interested in if those guys don't get moved how do their roles change post deadline Be- because I think at that point it just becomes this is the group we have and it needs to be about what is the best eight eight and a half man rotation and it's not about feelings it's not about this guy was promised this it's about who are the eight to nine guys that are going to help us make the play-in tournament win the play-in tournament make the playoffs and like try to go on a run and i think those eight to nine players if, if we're you know if, if they're keeping this group i think those eight to nine players look different than the rotation that has often been played like i, I think it's it's going younger, it's going bigger, uh, and it's not as much as, as the small veteran guards. So uh, I think that will be something that's kind of interesting, like depending on what moves are made. If they end up standing pat, I wouldn't be surprised standing pat. Uh, you know, it's kind of double <laughs> entendre there. Uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if the rotation changes a little bit. That's what I'll say. No more politics. That's, and that's just, to be clear, that's just speculation. That's not something I'm reporting or I'm just, that's kind of my educated read on the situation. Yeah. You hear that, folks? Real quick, we hop in, Omar. Jovan has to say when things are reported. He's got to get them spell checked, man. I, 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 know, I know you got your enemies on the timeline, brother. I got, but I got a lot I, of enemies, I, man. <laughs> I am I am confident that you have to check all of these sources before you put them on the athletic.com, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, but uh, uh, one point, Omar, I think we were talking about this a little bit uh, pre-show, has been Ham's just, you know, 
infatuation with, you know, the three guard lineups, right, Omar? And, And this is something that, you know, has been leaving Lakers fans confused, shocked, scared, concerned the entire season. I think it's interesting that, you know, the theory of this could all be to, you know, raise everybody's trade stock, but when they finally do trade them, and this, you know, we, Thursday could be the crowning moment of, let's see what those babies did that, you know, led to, you know, Lakers being 13th in the West. So while they were trying to raise trade value, they actually dropped themselves in the standings, but we digress. Um, uh, do you think that the Lakers, and I, I'm sure the front office has all the confidence in Darvin Ham and his decision-making. Do you get the sense that the team and the roster um, is still uh, sipping the ham juice as far as what he's preaching on a game-to-game basis? Because the Lakers have lost a lot of heartbreakers, and a lot of games fans are wondering, what's going on with these rotations, man? Yeah. um, It's... Uh, for you know, for my knowledge, that there's been they're still sipping the ham juice, so that that hasn't changed at all. Um, Sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I, I think you know what I, I had a conversation with someone um, on the road trip, you know, close to the situation who who was kind of explaining to me. I, I think their mindset is more so trying to put like they feel like the league has kind of gone positionless to, to some extent. And for them, it's about putting the best players on the floor and the players, you know, right or wrong. And and I think sometimes obviously has been wrong that Darvin trusts the most uh, are Pat and Dennis and uh, Russ. And, you know, I, I think that they also view Russ and Pat more as wing defenders than, uh, you know, guard or, or point guard defenders. So, you know, Dennis for them is their point of attack guy. Uh, you know, Russ, Russ, I, I do agree with is better at guarding wings than guards, like put him in the yeah. pick and roll or having to chase guys. Like he can't do that really, but put him, you know, post defense, ISO defense, like he can check. He's really strong. Yeah. I think he's, he's bigger than people think he is. And like, he can check small forwards in that. Now I think the bet, like we saw with, with, you know, Ingram, uh, you know, cooking, uh, Pat and Russ at different points. Like I think the best scores are just going to do that, you know, with the size advantage, but I think that they've had, and honestly, like for, for as much as people want to get on Darwin, like, I think this is something, especially with a younger coach, like they, I think this is something it's going to ultimately be a learning lesson for him that, that, you know, I saw it even when I was covering the Clippers, uh, the first year I covered them was the year they, they went to the playoffs and, and lost to the Warriors in the first round. And that was like that weird team where a bunch of role players, they had a bunch of older guys and like a bunch of younger. It was it was just kind of like everyone was either under 25 or like over 32 or whatever. And, um, you know, the, Doc Rivers always kind of – and Doc's maybe not the best example because he, he kind of has always been veteran heavy, but like – it was like no matter what, even if that Shea was on that team as a rookie, and it was like even if Shea was having a good game, you know Pat was coming back in, Lou was coming back in, like he just trusted those guys over the younger guys, and I think that's kind of the default for most coaches is um, you know unless it's a rebuilding situation, they're always going to kind of go with the veteran. So uh, I don't agree with it. I, I think like you know Troy Brown, Austin Reed. I mean Austin's kind of been more of a closer uh, when he's been healthy, but like. I think Austin, Troy, uh, you know, Lonnie in certain situations, like those guys should be closing 
uh, and giving the team some athleticism, some size, uh, some shooting, like those are, I, I think the more important ingredients than, you know, experience or, or veteran, you know, whatever, but there's always locker room politics too. Like, you know, Pat, uh, you listen to his podcast, Pat thinks very highly of himself and, and you know, Pat thinks he should be a starter playing 30 plus minutes a night. Like Russ clearly thinks highly of himself. Like, you know, Dennis has a certain standard. So like, um, you know, as much as, as much as an ideal world, you can say like that stuff shouldn't play in, like that's part of a locker room dynamic. And, and there's always kind of politics involved and, and keeping certain guys happy. So I think like, I think Darwin can, can probably find a better balance for sure. I'm, I'm not trying to absolve him of, of blame. I think, again, I think I, I'm not a fan person. I've, I've written it. I'm, I'm, you know, I've said it before. Like I'm not a fan of the three guard lineups. I think they should be retired. I'm not even really a fan of the two guard lineups. Like I don't think Dennis and Pat should be starting together, but that's his own thing. No, right. But like, yeah. you know, the, the, or the two small guard lineups, obviously, you know, most teams go with two guards, but the, the, you know, the baby guard lineups, I'm not, I don't like that, but I guess like, I'm, I'm just kind of explaining what was told to me for, from people close to the situation of like, they kind of view it as like more of a talent, um, you know, go with our best players type thing, even if like we're at a size disadvantage, but I do think at some point, like you, you've seen, they've lost enough games that way that like you got to adjust at some point. And, and again, um, I think the adjustment's going to come in the form of a trade. But if it doesn't, I think the adjustment's going to come post trade deadline. But you know, we'll, we'll see. Real quick, what about uh, Rui? Right. So we we've obviously invested in in a trade and invest and in already committed to you know signing him long term. Hopefully in the off season. But I think last game he only got 18 minutes, and you know a lot of fans were just like, oh, why why does he get any burn? Um, and I know if he's had some like woes defensively, but you know again bigger size body length and all that stuff. Anything on him? Uh, you know I, I know that they're they're high on him. Uh, they, they obviously, you know, made the trade, gave up three second round picks, which like one kind of sneaky part of that, um, trade that, that is now impacting them now is they traded their 2029 second, which actually means they can't protect their 2029, uh, first round pick. Because often if you're going to put a protection on it, it becomes a second rounder that year but they don't have their 2029 second so they actually can't protect their 2029 first um so already they kind of made an investment in in Rui that could potentially affect them at the trade deadline in in terms of protecting their like they can only protect the 2027 one uh so i I think with him there's an element of like he's still kind of learning the offense and the defense um you know obviously he he was just added uh, a couple weeks ago uh I, i do you know, again, I, I do think Darwin's default is the three guard lineup for, for better or worse. Uh, and I think that's kind of his, his comfort zone. Now I will also say the progress in that game was like Russ didn't close that game. Russ, I don't even think played in the fourth quarter or, or, you know, barely played in the fourth. Um, so I think like you kind of see the progress with Darwin in, in certain regards and, and, but, but then there's also like the, you know, the step back where, um, like, you know, Russ, you know, he brings Russ back in in like the the Celtics overtime or, uh, you know the the Philly game or whatever. Like, I think more often than not, I think they've done better. You know, like if you look at some of Russ's crunch time numbers, he, he's really struggled and just uh, I think you know that execution heavy environment isn't always the the best for him, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and I think the numbers bear that out. But uh, you know, I, I think 
I don't have a great answer on Rui. I think it, it's more so just, again, like a comfort thing with Darwin yeah. where he just prefers those three guys. And um, at the same time too, I think they also view Rui more as a four. And that's kind of the whole weird thing with like him and LeBron playing together, uh, which obviously they, they've gone to with the starting group, which I I, th- I like and I think makes sense. But I also think, you know, th- they're kind of viewing it like if, if there's a true legit wing we don't know like if we want to put Rui or LeBron on that guy necessarily. Um, so I think if, if you're obviously picking between the two, you're going to pick LeBron. So I, I think Rui's also kind of be, been a casualty of that, of, of them trying to find mm. that wing defender that they don't necessarily think he is. So that that's kind of, I think a wrinkle to it, but I don't, you know, playing 18 minutes or whatever, 18, 19 minutes. Like I don't have a great answer on that. I, I think, Dar- I also think Darwin's kind of becoming a little bit more desperate with his rotation where he's having a, a quicker, um, you know, trigger with taking guys out. And and if someone's struggling, they're not going to have as big of a role. So that's another wrinkle where I, I think they, you know, really didn't have the best game, but I, I do think he should be playing more than 18, 19 minutes for sure. Oh man. He's the guy to get his junkyard dog status. <laughs> he's got to do a couple of, uh, you know, fight club fights. You know, he's got to go through the ringer, man. Maybe a, a couple of uh, those bounce house obstacle courses, too. Then then he'll be ready to get his minutes on the Lakers. Jovan Buha, man. Ooh, it is busy times for you, I know. So, first of all, thank you for making the time. Almost an hour strong rocking with us on the Late Night Lake Show podcast. Appreciate you, my brother. We're going to let you get back to doing what you do best, and that's uh, reporting on, on Los Angeles Lakers. Real quick, before you go, just leave the folks with this. By the time we talk next, whenever that is, will the Lakers have improved their roster via trade between now and the deadline? Yeah, um, I know it's gonna it's gonna blow up in my it's, it's gonna blow up in my face no matter what I say. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm gonna say yes. I, I think they're gonna make at minimum uh, a small move of um, you know. I, I think again the, the the most likely situation is. Pat Lonnie in a first or, or just Pat in a first uh, to add a, a better starting caliber wing shooter. Uh, so I, I think that is, you know, at, at a minimum, but I also think if they get an opportunity to trade Russ and it makes a lot of sense in, in terms of the return, like I, I think they will do that as well and, and potentially two separate moves. So um, I'm, I'm betting on at a minimum, a small move, but, I think there's also a, a increasing possibility that they do a bigger move that really reshapes uh, the, the guard rotation. And um, I think leaves Laker fans most likely happy depending on what the move is. But I think if it's Utah or, or Toronto, they will uh, Laker fans will be happy with that. One thing I'm, I'm watching for is we see how quickly Kyrie was able to turn a trade request into getting traded. It was basically 48 hours. Um, so, you know, uh, we got what a little under 72 hours left, uh, you know, 66 or whatever. Uh, I'd be interested like by tomorrow or, or Wednesday, does like a star potentially demand a trade, uh, and put pressure on their team to, to get out of a situation kind of just following the Kyrie blueprint of like, you know, we were, he was able to, and now granted Kyrie is a different situation because of, you know, all the stuff that all this yeah. history with Brooklyn already. So like, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I, I just, I thought it was interesting how like we rarely see star 
demands get resolved that quickly. It's usually kind of a bidding process over, you know, multiple days or, or weeks or, you know, months. And uh, that was not the case here. So I would be interested to just see if there's kind of like a sneaky star situation where someone just asks out and, and you know, the Lakers could potentially jump on that. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when your boss hates you and you say that you don't want to work for him anymore, <laughs> how quickly he'll get you up out of this. So good stuff, man. Jovi, I appreciate you once again, man, for stopping by with us. We'll make sure to tap in with you soon. Uh, for everybody, thank you for rocking with us. Late Night Lake Show. Make sure that you hit that like and subscribe buttons right there on YouTube. If you're following us on the pod, you already know what to do. Give us that five-star rating. Drop a review. Let us know how we're doing. We got some more content coming out. Like we said, it's trade, di- trade deadline week, baby. Oh, man, my blood pressure up and everything. We were supposed to record yesterday. Then Kyrie got traded. I don't know what's about to happen between now and when we drop this show, man. I don't know. Omar, you've been on the timeline. You've been making sure, you know, DeMar DeRozan hasn't demanded a trade or anything like that. Everything's clear. Everything's cool. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to end the show then just like that. I appreciate you, man. Omar, I'll see you on the timeline. Folks, we'll see you on the timeline. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.